Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is abundance versus scarcity. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zentalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, this topic comes from my husband, who'd been listening to lots of stories on the radio that seem to touch on our current perception of what abundance and scarcity are. Mm -hmm. And it seems like something that just as a people we've been struggling with, not only throughout the Bible, but throughout history. But it seems to me that if you're going to go back down that path of biblical understanding, Jesus is willing to share anything he had with about anybody he was going to come across. Is that correct? Well, it's interesting because we have lots of different moments with Jesus where there is incredible sharing of things, the loaves and fish, the feeding of 5,000 plus more, right? We have these incredible moments of lots of generosity. And we also have moments where he is anointed with this jar of incredibly expensive oil, So there's this both and, there's this recognition of abundance and the beauty of having beautiful things and rich things and extravagant things, as well as an incredible generosity to give those things out into the wider community. So it really depends on how you want to look at this to say how you frame the words abundance and scarcity will frame how you experience the Jesus story in the Bible on this particular topic, on wealth and wealth management, for example. Okay. So where would you like to start? Should we talk about what our understanding of abundance and scarcity are? Let's give it a whirl. Okay. (laughs) I think when we talk about this, oftentimes in North America, we start thinking about the bottom line of how many resources we do or do not have. Mm Mm-hmm. So if we think about resources as anything from how much money is in our bank account or whether or not we have investments, whether or not we own a home or if we have a home, do we own a transportation device of some kind? Do we not? We can start thinking of all of those things kind of assets, but Mm -hmm. abundance isn't just assets. But in North America, we have tied the word abundance to assets so intrinsically that it is very, very hard to talk about abundance versus scarcity without people beginning to think about how many resources they hold and possess and are in control of or how many resources people are lacking and do not have. Am I making sense on this one? You are. It's making me think of the old counter blessings. And blessings, I think, is more of what you would want to think of this as, in that we have our health, we have family, we have connections, but we don't think of it that way. We think of it specifically as, I've got the expensive shoes I want, I have the bag I want, you know, I have this amount of money in my banking account, I can cover this number of expenses, right? Right. And I think that we idyllically want to be able to say, well, of course, it's really about the community that we have that is our true abundance or those kinds of pieces. But 
when we get down to the nitty gritty, when things are hard and we're talking about how to perceive abundance or how to shift away our hearts from believing that we constantly live in scarcity, we are fighting against some of the very foundational bedrock of the creation of our country. Oh, truly. Right? Well, and let's not be disingenuous because there are certain things that money solves pretty easily. And when you do not have the resource that you need in order to survive, there is scarcity, right? We have a scarcity of affordable housing Mm -hmm. in the city of Portland. And so we have individuals facing a distinct scarcity of housing and security that comes from that. We have a scarcity of adequate places for people to use a restroom. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about this, we're not trying to be idealistic. We're not trying to ignore the realities on the ground by saying, no, we live in a very abundant world. And it's just, if we just all share, it's a real conversation about attitude. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. How we interact with what we do have, how we understand what we do have, and how we find ways to shift away from this kind of all or nothing hoarding kind of culture that North America has created and lifted up onto a pedestal as the best way to be. Mm -hmm. And sadly has interwoven with North American Christianity. Yeah. It reminds me of the end of the year when we typically do some giving. And this past year, I really found myself struggling because there just seemed to be such a great need everywhere. And it was breaking my heart that I wanted to give something to everyone. And it was feeling like I can't give it all away but I need to give some of it away. And my Mm -hmm. husband turned to me and said, honey, we're fine. We can totally give away twice this much and we'll be okay. Just go where your heart is. Yeah. And that is exactly, I think, the struggle that we're talking about on what we perceive as abundance versus what we're afraid is going to be scarce in the future. Totally. And the culture around us has been created and designed to teach people to hoard. Mm -hmm. Not only to teach people to hoard, but I think we've given ourselves signposts that are blatantly wrong, right? I see lots of things come through social media where they talk about, well, the gas price is so high, which means we must have terrible leadership when they really aren't tied the way you think they're going to be tied in terms of what is going on in the world. It's far more complicated than that. Absolutely. And when we want to kind of drill down to a faithful relationship or a a way to find a faithful relationship with possessions, belongings, and wealth. You're right. Jesus wasn't wealthy. Jesus didn't hoard. Jesus participated and had relationships with wealthy individuals or else his ministry would not have been funded. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So there were those who absolutely participated in order to fund what he did and keep him going and keep him fed. But when he sent people out, we have a direct piece in our scripture that says, when you go out, go with the shoes on your feet and 
the clothing on your back and don't take anything else. This is not about showing up in your wealthiest, beautiful couture gowns Mm -hmm. (laughs) and designer clothing. It's showing up with enough to take care of yourself and trusting that somehow the community and everyone will find the way through it together. And that is so incredibly countercultural to anything in North America. <laughs> well, and it can be often counter to what you see in church leadership throughout the years, right? I mean, there's that fine balance of, look, what we're doing has value. And let me give you a visual representation of the value, right? That's how you get the beautiful churches and the mm-hmm. wonderful artwork and the music and everything. But at the same time, you also have most of the saints, like St. Francis, who are basically saying, I don't want anything. I'm giving it all away to help anybody who needs anything. Right. It's such an interesting dichotomy and struggle. It is. It absolutely is. And I think it's a struggle that we all kind of journey with in that how do you find the balance between having enough but not too much? One of the theologians that has influenced my thinking on this, maybe not my articulation of it, because I don't know if I'm articulating is great, is Dan Erlander. He's a pastor in the Pacific Northwest. He's written some really awesome books. He wrote one book called Manna and Mercy. Okay. And in it, he describes Pharaoh's Egypt and the problems with Pharaoh's Egypt that people were hoarding and people were beginning to set themselves as power over other people rather than power with or power among, and that that created situations where some had more than they needed and others had not enough. Sounds familiar. Right, very much so. And Erlander gives this idea that the kingdom of God, that what God's intention for the world is, and addresses this by introducing what the concept of jubilee is in the Hebrew scriptures, and then what Jesus came to bring is called the kingdom of God, is a place where all have enough and no one has too much. And this kind of understanding that there is a way in which what it is that you need to be well, God will provide. And what it is for someone else to be well, God will provide. But if you hold on to everything that comes across your path and you hoard it, then the other may not have what they need. And you may need more than another person. Of any given thing, sure. Of any given thing. I need more asthma medication than people who don't have asthma. I need more allergy pills in the spring than people who do not have allergies, right? So Mm -hmm. I need those things where others do not need those things. And someone else needs insulin in a way that I do not. And so if I were to hoard the insulin just because I might need it someday then I'm going against God's intention for the world because I have more than I need. And the imbalance then of creating hoarding, there's a beautiful graphic on his page when it comes to manna, because the point of manna was that you would get enough for the day. But if you gathered more manna than you needed for the day and you held on to it, it would stink. Oh, the next day. Funny. And everyone would be able to smell it and everyone would know that you didn't trust God enough to provide for you for the next day. That's kind of fabulous. Right? Except for the Sabbath day when you would collect enough for 
the day before for that day and for the Sabbath so that you could have the day of rest. Mm -hmm. And the manna that fell on that day would not stink on the day of the Sabbath. And so it's this entire idea that enough will be provided, that there will be an abundance or at least enough, and that that is what abundance is. Abundance is that we have what we need to live this life, to do this work. There's a graphic then in the book that is this like pile of hoarded manna Mm -hmm. (laughs) with these big words with like stink graphics coming up off Mm -hmm. of it and the words hoarding stinks. (laughs) I think that comes to my mind so much when I'm trying to talk about abundance versus scarcity, that it's not about not having things. We are not all called to a vow of poverty in the way of St. Francis. But when we hoard so much that what we have will not be used, it will be spoiled before it can be used. And when we keep someone else from using that resource before it is spoiled, then that's on us. We create scarcity. We create the imbalance and the inability to recognize there is enough. Yeah. I think back to the beginning of the pandemic when, for one reason or another, we decided to watch a few episodes of Doomsday Preppers. Mm -hmm. Now, the fascinating part about this is that they thought they were preparing and doing everything that they needed. And then at the end, they get evaluated and there's always something that they're forgetting. Yeah. With the beauty part being, if you just were a part of society, instead of thinking negatively about what's going to happen, we would all be able to help each other and get along just fine. Right. Yeah. And it's the pooling of capacities. It's the sharing of skills that creates the capacity to survive Mm -hmm. even the most tragic of events. I am not going to be able to haul and move big things, but I will be able to sit and comfort, right? Mm -hmm. And emotional wellness is a gift that those who know how to use a chainsaw and cut down the trees, they're going to be able to do that work, right? So if we share the load, if we recognize that within the gifts and the skills and the talents and the capacities and the passions and the excitements of the whole community, there is enormous abundance of resource. That's where there is hope. Versus if I just think of how my spouse and I are going to survive an earthquake and it's just us, mm-hmm. we're toast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know how to change the electricity in my house. I don't know how to, right? It's just, we're toast. We don't know what we're doing. So it's all in how you perceive where does abundance come from and who is telling you that you don't have enough? Who is the one whispering to you that resources are scarce? And there are those who live with scarcity of resource because others are hoarding. Oh, absolutely. In this particular town, it's abundantly clear anytime you drive anywhere in Portland that there are people who are going without. Mm -hmm. And throughout the entire country, 
in a country where there are these multi-billionaires, right, that incredible amount of hoarding creates a tremendous amount of scarcity. Believing that allowing a few to hoard will lift everyone up, it doesn't work. We've proven it really doesn't work. And it's hard to watch. It really is. As it should be. Mm -hmm. It should be convicting. It should be painful. It should make us all angry. It should make us all feel like something is inherently wrong. Because it is, right? This is not God's intention for the world. God's intention for God's beloved is not to have this, to not allow for this. And we see it over and over and over again in the scriptures where God is trying to level the playing field where God is trying to find ways, brings the people out of Egypt, takes them on the wilderness, teaches them how to trust that you will have enough, how to gather enough for one day and live in that day, and gives an entire culture an idea of jubilee, of forgiving debts after seven years, and returning land back to original owners every 70 years, right? These concepts of clearing the slate and not allowing mass accumulation over generations and hundreds of years of resource, right? That's all in our scripture. We see it in the way that Jesus is. We see it in the early church where in the book of Acts, they're describing all the things that everyone had were distributed between each other, right? This mass redistribution of wealth, that was a hallmark of the beginnings of the church before it became legal and became a part of empire, before it ever came to the shores of North America, where it was intrinsically tied with gathering the wealth of a new continent and returning it back to Europe, before the Christian faith intertwined itself with hoarding God's intention has always been this radical resource sharing. We're just living in a time where we're not doing it. Oh, man, that concept of forgiving after seven years and giving land back after 70, that sounds yeah. pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie. Jubilee is amazing. That entire concept of Jubilee and how it could work. I mean, we're, we're here in the United States with decades of people begging for $50,000 of forgiveness off of student loans mm -hmm. and talking about the impact that that could have on household wealth and capacities and all of those pieces, right? The last year of not paying student loans because there's been a hold on student loans for folks mm -hmm. or getting ahead because there hasn't been interest if people are choosing to continue to pay on it, but not having it build that compound interest that it builds over time. Imagine if we actually lived by his jubilee in such a way that it wouldn't be, oh, well, I had to pay all my student loans, so why shouldn't you have to? Exactly. That concept of fairness gets that tossed bitterness. around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's never actual fairness. It is more bitter than anything else. And it's hard and it's all tied up in so much of our society and our culture capitalism and commercialism. Yeah, but we don't understand that it will come back to us. I think about this daily when it comes mm. to my kids in the schools in that, can I please just pay more taxes so I don't have to do the fundraising 
for my school. And I have a fairly decently funded school and we're still asking for things. But it's going to come back to us in ways we just can't even imagine if we can just give over to this freeing, really freeing sounding concept of Jubilee. Right. An understanding of how living into the abundance of the gifts of community Mm -hmm. and the gifts of shared resourcing, mutual aid, how that can absolutely shift and change in beautiful, beautiful ways. But it is countercultural, which is exactly what the gospel is about, Mm -hmm. is this countercultural ideas. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. What would you say to those who are terrified of giving up as what they see as their abundance? I think it's about conversation. It's about learning what is the fear and what is the frightening thing that is keeping us from letting go and seeing abundance in a different way than wealth or assets. Because for some, it's a very realistic experience of having lost things before. Mm Mm-hmm. Or knowing that right now I have capacity to be able to have this thing, but I will not in months, so I need to hold on to this thing. So there are real reasons why people hold on to things or hoard things. But for folks who have enough and who are falling into the habit of hoarding and saving in order to feel good or well about who they are and how they are, I think even just asking the questions and making the time to have the conversation about how amazing it can be to be a part of a community and share resources, that's the pathway. But I don't think you can ever shame people into releasing wealth, especially not in North America. No. We will never shame Jeff Bezos. (laughs) Not so much. Right? Like, if he cared, he wouldn't be the billionaire he is. Yeah, we wouldn't be where we are. Exactly. That's just realistic. And so you're not going to get through to those with massive wealth through shame or those kinds of pieces. There have to be other ways. I don't know them. If I knew it, then I would go do it. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about abundance versus scarcity. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. If you have thoughts on this or experiences of mutual aid or viewing these things in different ways, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>